competitive spirit and just really dial in and, and, and truly take it up one day at a time and focus on what lies ahead and that is improving. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. This is a big day for me. Uh, this is a big day for my sports fandom. It's a very important day on the calendar. You might be thinking, Grant, well, why is that? There's no football on tonight. There's a little playoff baseball, but you're telling me tonight is significant? Playoff baseball? What are you, hockey? You're not into hockey. Uh, to be honest, I don't even know if there is hockey on tonight. I'm assuming there is. Season started. Hockey's on every day, like the NBA, right? Oh, no, no, no. This is a very specific special day for me. It's a day that I look forward to all year. It's the day that Bill Simmons does his annual over-under podcast where they pick over under win totals for all the teams in the NBA. Now, I don't gamble. A couple reasons. I don't care to. I just, I don't feel drawn to light my money on fire on betting on sports. I light my money on fire on a million other dumb things, but not on sports gambling. I, I also, like, don't really care what Bill Simmons is picking. Like, it's not, it's not the actual overs and the unders. It's the sign from above it, it, it's it's this this big picture sign from the universe that the nba is back or almost back i can switch into nba mode when bill simmons releases his over under pod which came out today with ryan Rossillo and joe house and for the last couple of years i've started this nifty little tradition with myself where i get rocky rococos on the night that this comes out and i i listen to it and I eat some of those Rocky Rococo's breadsticks in my car and drive home from work. And I listen to Bill Simmons over under podcast. I've always got Rocky Rococo's and it started a couple of years ago because I was leaving work. And I was like, ah, I don't need food at the house. What should I get? This is on the north side of lacrosse. I haven't had Rocky Rococo's in forever. Why don't I do that? And now I do it every year because it's really the only time I ever get Rocky Rococo's, which is delicious. But on this day, it's like pretzel day with Stanley in the office today. It's breadstick day. It's Rocky Rococo's day. And it's Bill Simmons NBA over under day. I love this day. It's a big day for me. It's the most wonderful time of the year. This is the this is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Not going to talk much about the NBA tonight, uh, if at all. Just having so much fun talking about the NFL and a little bit about playoff baseball. I felt more nationally into baseball this year. I've been watching other teams more, thinking about other teams I've been interested in the league uh, on a more national uh, perspective, not just the Brewers. Baseball's always been a very regional sport, and it still is. But this year, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just my viewing tendencies, although viewership in the ALCS is is up. Record numbers for Astros Rangers yesterday, which is interesting because it was on in the middle of the day. It was a Monday afternoon. So maybe we'll talk about baseball a little bit between now and 6 o'clock. It's Tuesday, so Mike Clemens will join us. Clemheads, set your alarm for 5.30. That's when he'll be here. All the coordinators spoke yesterday. Stenovich, Basaccia, uh, 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 Joe Barry, but he speaks every week for the most part, the defensive coordinator. So we have a lot of different voices, a lot of different comments from a lot of different perspectives. And Mike will help us sort through some of those comments and obviously we'll look forward to the Denver game, the Packers playing on a Sunday for the first time in almost a month because they went Thursday night, Monday night, bye week. It'll be nice to actually have a Packer game 
this Sunday to watch. That'll be Sunday afternoon. I think it's 3.30, and I'm 90% sure that that game is on CBS. 90% sure. Not that it really matters. But Mike Clemens will join us at 5.30. We'll cover all that. 608-321-1670 is the phone number to call the show if you want to do so. If you don't feel moved to call, then fine. You can always send me a tweet as well, at Wisco Grant. Send me a tweet or a DM or whatever if you want to be a part of the show. Otherwise, just kick back and enjoy. Uh, you don't feel like you have to participate if you don't want to. I want to start with Monday Night Football last night. Cowboys winning 20-17. to 17. That was a really fun Monday Night Football game. And maybe I enjoyed it just because it was a primetime game that doesn't feature the Giants. Feels like we've been seeing a lot of Daniel Jones and a lot of angry, shiny, bald-headed Brian Dable on Sunday and Monday night and Thursday night football so far this year. So I was just excited. I'm sure the NFC East has to be involved, of course. There has to be an NFC East team. I'm just glad it wasn't the Giants. It was fun. It was America's team, America's coach, as our friend Ebo tweeted out last night, America's booth on the call, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. So the Cowboys... Very entertaining team. And the Chargers, great for entertainment value as well. The the Chargers are entertaining in the same way that the Vikings are entertaining. Pretty sure it's not going to go well for the Vikings. Pretty sure they're probably not going to win. Uh, pretty sure it's all going to come crashing down for them at some point. But you know what? Gosh darn it. They're fun to watch because they're, they're always... And they're always going to do something dumb. They're always going to do something stupid. They're always going to lose in some unexpected way. They're going to do something that you never saw coming. So a very entertaining matchup last night. I have a couple thoughts on this game. And both of these teams, I want to start with the Cowboys. Because I own a lot of stock in the Dallas Cowboys. They were my Super Bowl pick on the Bill Michaels show. I think Bill took the Niners and the Ravens. I had the Chiefs and the Cowboys. I'm just done picking against the Chiefs. And I feel like one of these years... The Cowboys have got to get it done. They're at least going to get back to the championship round, right? It's been 30 years, and it's been 30 years for the Niners, too. Let's not act like these two teams have not been irrelevant from a a, a postseason or at least a Super Bowl perspective for 30 years. These teams have gone a long time without winning rings. It's been a long time since the glory days of of these two teams back in the 90s. Uh, I own a lot of stock in the Cowboys this year. I, I, I Part of me actually wants me or part of me wants to see them go on a run and I want to see McCarthy get over the hump and and I want to see Dak get over the hump I thought Dak was awesome last night he finished 21 to 30 for 272 yards a touchdown no interceptions I I thought Michael Gallup had a a great shot at a touchdown that he probably could have should have caught Uh, I, I just thought I thought Dak was really good last night that's what peak Dak should look like Dak at his best The best version of Dak, the version that the Cowboys need, if they're going to win against the best teams on the biggest stages, that's what it needs to look like. 25 to 30-ish passing attempts. Nothing too crazy. Herbert was up closer to 40 pass attempts. We see a lot of quarterbacks these days getting up that far. Dak Prescott, anywhere from 25 to 30 passing attempts. That's the sweet spot. Lots of designed runs. For Dak Prescott last night and mobile passing, he's not a very precise, he's not a perfect, pure pocket passer. He's actually, I think, better, a little bit off script, moving around, doing different things uh, because he's not special. He doesn't have a, a crazy talented arm, which is why he was a, a, a draft pick in the fourth round. It was fourth round, right? So for Dak to be at his best, 25 to 30-ish attempts, designed runs, moving the pocket. And Mike McCarthy, my guy, you got to mix in some shot plays. I don't think Mike McCarthy was great last night. I think McCarthy coaches a little scared 
because he really trusts his defense and he trusts Dan Quinn and he should. But when you trust your defense, you can also play a little bit faster and a little bit looser on offense. And Mike McCarthy has gone the other way. He watched Dak Prescott throw a lot of interceptions last year. And he's like, I'm not going to allow that to happen. Well, I think a lot of Dak's interceptions last year were ricochets. They were tight window throws. And now Kellen Moore has moved on and he is now blessing Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert, who I want to talk about in a couple minutes. Now they're blessed with the Kellen Moore offense, which I didn't think was all that great last year. I know they scored a lot of points, but I thought Dak Prescott threw a bunch of picks last year for a lot of fluky reasons. Yeah, he made some bad mistakes, but there was also a lot of bad luck. And I think if they just would have kept a lot of things the same, don't handcuff your quarterback, don't put the training wheels back on Dak, I think things would have been fine, except I think maybe... Maybe just a little bit McCarthy is, has gotten a little bit too conservative. I didn't think McCarthy was great last night, but he did mix in some shot plays. You need shot plays. Take some shots to Brandon Cooks. Take some shots to Michael Gallup, who's trying to find his way back. And feed CeeDee Lamb like the number one wide receiver we all think that he is. I, I loved what the Cowboys did offensively. McCarthy, again, with clock management, some other things, wasn't his best. But Dak was great. That's an A-plus Dak game. And I like Dak. I think Dak Prescott takes a lot of crap from fans and from media members for reasons 100% outside of his control. I hate that. I was talking to a buddy this weekend when I was fishing. My buddy's a Cowboys fan because that's the kind of guy he is. He just, you know, he's from Wisconsin, grew up a Packer fan, and, you know, just because of the way he is, love him. (laughs) He's the type to just be a Cowboys fan for no reason. I'm like, you know what? I really like Dak Prescott. I think he gets a bad rap. He gets a bad rap because he plays for the Cowboys, which in our society is equivalent to committing second-degree murder. Why? I don't know, because the Cowboys were good 30 years ago, and I guess we're still hung up on it. So people hold that against Dak Prescott. People hold it against him that he got paid the big contract like he's the only middle-of-the-road or, 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 or uh, what would the word be, uh, imperfect quarterback to ever get the big contract. Like Kyler Murray got the contract. Kirk Cousins got the contracts. He's got plenty of them. Jared Goff, uh, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy G got paid at one time. Daniel Jones got paid this offseason. Let's not act like Dak Prescott is the only flawed quarterback to ever get number one money. That was the word I'm looking for. Let's not act like Dak Prescott's the only flawed quarterback to have ever been given a big deal. That's not his fault. It's not his fault he plays for Dallas. Oh, Jerry Jones. Why do you think about Jerry Jones? Don't forget about Jerry Jones. I like Dak Prescott. He's not perfect. But I'm not sure how many perfect quarterbacks there are. How many quarterbacks out there would you be amped to pay as a general manager? Let's put it that way. Oh, we got to give this guy number one money. Mahomes, great. Feel great about it. He's shown that he's good for it. He's going to make up for the money that we're spending on him. The money that we can't put into a number one wide receiver or a linebacker or another number one corner. Mahomes is going to make up for it. Other than that, like life is getting significantly harder for the Bengals. They might not be able to retain T. Higgins. They already had to let some defensive pieces go. The Chargers, the Chargers just paid Justin Herbert and they're below 500. I want to talk about them in a second. The Ravens paid Lamar, but Lamar is imperfect. Josh Allen got paid and I think that's worth it for the Bills. Don't get me wrong, but they are going to have issues. Mahomes is the only quarterback in the NFL. He's the only guy in this league who can make number one money. And his team is like, honestly, we're fine with it. We're still getting a discount. He's just about the only guy. Jalen Hurts is getting paid and now he's regressing a little bit. He's throwing interceptions. So don't hold things against Dak Prescott that are true of a vast majority of quarterbacks in football. 
There's a lot of competent quarterbacks. There's not a lot of exceptional quarterbacks right now. Does that make sense? Let's talk about the Chargers because discourse is really taken off today on Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, you see he's got a 20-27-27 and record now as a starter. They were flashing that on the broadcast last night, and the Chargers, again, are under five hundred and on the outside looking in at a potential playoff spot. I know there's a lot of season left, but that's just where we stand through five games. They're two and three. I am not going to do the thing today that many sports talkers are doing. I'm not going to do the thing. I hear so much about how Justin Herbert is great. Justin Herbert this. Justin Herbert that. He's got a big arm, big physical quarterback. All the traits, all the skills. He's just as good as Mahomes. He's just as good as Josh Allen. Where are the wins? You're 500. Again. Making mistakes down the stretch. Again. Blowing leads. Again. I don't hold a lot of these things against Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is very good. And what's a bummer is I think the Chargers roster is really good. They got a lot of fun players in a lot of fun spots. But for whatever reason, it's not clicking. Blame it a little bit on Brandon Staley. I thought Brandon Staley had the right idea in his first year as a head coach. Go for it on fourth down. You know, do the aggressive, new generation, smart, woke Coaching, if you want to, if you want to say sarcastically, uh, he's gone woke going forward on fourth downs. Yeah, all of those things. But for whatever reason, Brandon Staley's just not jiving with this team. For whatever reason, Justin Herbert, for as brilliant as he can be, and for some of the amazing throws that he can make, it's not leading to wins. I think Justin Herbert is very good. He's not perfect, just like Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. Just just like Jalen Hurts. None of these guys are perfect. We have Patrick Mahomes and then a lot of other quarterbacks who are flawed one way or another, especially when you pay them. I really like Justin Herbert, and I think we could have the same conversation about Joe Burrow, although he made a Super Bowl. I get it. But I think over the course of Joe Burrow's career, as he gets paid money and the Bengals have to make adjustments to the roster, I think the Bengals will have slip-ups. And they will have down stretches. They might be having one right now. If they hadn't beat the Seahawks in that close game on Sunday, we could be having a very difficult and different conversation about the Bengals and where they stand today through, what, six weeks now? I think Justin Herbert is in a very similar position to a lot of his peers. Problem is he plays for a cursed franchise, and he plays a brand of football. It's a little hero ballish. He makes some of these amazing throws. But last night in the third and the fourth quarter, You saw it. These Charger games always devolve into what we saw last night. These games always turn into spread it out, draw something up in the dirt. Justin Herbert's going to drop back, evade pressure on second and long and on third and long, and he's going to throw missiles. And you're going to go, wow, look at that throw. But it's not efficient football. It's not winning football. You know what wins? Boring, consistent, sustainable replicable offense that's what wins and some of these quarterbacks are so talented Justin Herbert is so gifted as an athlete and Lamar Jackson is so gifted as an athlete and Aaron Rodgers you know back before he lost a couple of steps like go back and watch highlights from even 2016 I could not believe what I was seeing the other day I was watching 2016 highlights I'm like this guy looks like a different quarterback than what we saw the last couple of years Aaron Rodgers throughout the years he's so gifted so talented so much zing and pep in that arm that he would want to play fast and loose, and he would want to play the style that wasn't, I think, conducive to winning at the highest level. So how do you take an uber-talented, uber-athletic, uber-gifted, uber-smart quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or like Justin Herbert or like Josh Allen, and you say, I I know you can make all these throws, 
I know you can make all these plays. Let's hone it in a little bit. Let's stop living in third and 12. Let's stop busting up our ribs or busting up our finger because we want to play a brand of fast and loose football that gets us hurt. How do we play a winning brand of football? And I think that's such a big challenge in today's NFL and today's league. You have these quarterbacks that are doing things that quarterbacks never used to do. And it makes for amazing highlight films. You can string some of these plays together. You're like, oh my God. But guess what? On a random Monday night game against Dallas or on a random Sunday afternoon against Arizona or against Seattle or against New York, highlights don't win games. Sustained drives do. Execution wins games. Game management, that's what wins games. Run an offense, execute over and over again. Make game managers cool again. I've been saying this for a couple of weeks. If you could take some of these ultra-talented quarterbacks and make them play a more controlled, more consistent brand of football, they'd win a lot more often at the highest level. And I think that's a problem that Justin Herbert has. So I'm not going to drag Justin Herbert today like a lot of people are. Well, where are the wins? He's 500 career as a quarterback. I keep hearing about how great Justin Herbert is. Yeah, because he's unbelievable. He pops off the screen. But like Lamar and like Aaron Rodgers in his prime and like Patrick Mahomes at times, I know you can make all the throws. Let's hone it in a little bit. And I think that's going to be a process that Justin Herbert will have to go through. Otherwise, especially playing for the Chargers, he's going to be doomed to float right around 500 to end up on the short end of the stick in games like last night that come down to the wire. And he's not going to win a lot of playoff games. So I'm personally, I'm excited about Justin Herbert and the next couple of steps that he's going to take in his career because I believe that he can. I'm not going to drag him today for, for having the same problem that so, so, so many quarterbacks have in today's day and age in 2023 in the NFL. 608 Three, two, one, sixteen, seventy. Going to take a break, take some calls, get into some of the things that were said by Packers coordinators this week. We can start focusing in on on getting back into the routine of having Packers games on Sundays. We're looking at the Broncos three o'clock on Sunday, and of course, Mike Clemens going to join us before the show is over as well. It's Tuesday, so he'll join us at five thirty. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Appreciate you listening. Mike Clemens is going to join us in a little bit over an hour. I defended Dak Prescott. I'll defend Justin Herbert, too. I just think there are so many flawed quarterbacks in the NFL, and we choose who to pick on for whatever reason. Now, Justin Herbert blowing that lead in the playoffs last year, being a 500-career quarterback, yeah, part of that is on him. Justin Herbert came into the league right away and was awesome, and he's kind of just stayed the same. Uh, very Brad Davison-esque, if you will. Brad Davison's freshman year, like, holy crap, this guy's going to be awesome. And then he just never really got that much better. And he was still a very good player, but you expect a certain level of development, right? And some players, they're great when they jump into the league, and maybe that's Justin Herbert. Maybe he's never really going to change. Maybe he's never really going to adapt. But other than Mahomes, I think every quarterback in football is flawed one way or another, maybe except Burrow. I don't know, but Burrow, Burrow, excuse me, doesn't run around and he doesn't do as many wild things as Lamar or Herbert um, sometimes do. Jalen Hurts is throwing interceptions this year. That's a flaw. Like there's a lot of quarterbacks that aren't perfect, 
but we all seem to, oh, Dak sucks. Oh, Herbert's overrated. I don't, I don't know. I think all these guys are pretty similar. Mike Oxlong <laughs> tweets in at Wisco Grant. Quarterbacks used to be crazy talented. Dan Marino was incredible in a much tougher era to play the position. Yeah, Dan Marino was, I would say, more of an outlier back then. Now everyone, now everyone wants to be Dan Marino, Aaron Rodgers, or, or Patrick Mahomes. Throwing on the run and not being afraid to air it out. Like, Mar- yes, Marino was was very much a precursor, I think, for what is much more common now. But, you know, Marino wasn't stacking up titles. Marino had a lot more arm talent and a lot more dynamism than Tom Brady. Tom Brady won a bunch of championships because I think, at times, on top of also having a great defense and a great coach, Tom Brady wasn't afraid to play boring. He's like, this is going to work. It's not going to stack up highlights for me, and it's not going to stack up gaudy stats, but it's going to win us football games. And I think sometimes these talented quarterbacks, they need to scale it back and play a little bit more boring sometimes to win week in and week out and win multiple playoff games in a row. Cone Roller is here, 608-321-1670. What's going on today, Cone? Welcome. Grant, what's happened to you? Here you are defending the Cowboys. You're defending uh, Herbert. You're defending the Philadelphia Phillies. Are you going big J on us? Why would... Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So I'll defend the Cowboys because I don't think the Cowboys deserve the flack that they get from us like we should aim that angst at the Niners but what do you you mean defending the Phillies my team is dead I don't have a dog left in the fight I'm enjoying the postseason the Phillies are fun to watch well what am I defending them from us Arizonans (laughs) yeah is there a lot of is there a lot of Philly slander down there in in the valley these days what's the word on the street I honestly don't know much about Diamondbacks fans and culture down here, which makes me believe it's non-existent. Yeah. I am going to the backs bar after work today to, to watch game two. So, you know, maybe I'll chat up some of the locals and, and get a good feel for it. But I think your point comes down to, you know, with new age quarterbacks, it's the age of social media. It's mm. the age of all, getting all these clips out there. You know, everybody wants to be in home, but in reality, only one person can be a Mahomes and that or two. That's Patrick and Jackson. Lamar. Yeah, I I don't no, know where I yeah. stand on Lamar. I really like Lamar. I, I just think for whatever reason this offseason we all got psyched about Lamar. The Ravens are gonna be so good. Lamar's gonna throw for five thousand yards, and I, I don't know what that was based on other than a new offensive coordinator and they signed old OBJ. You know what I mean? Yeah, the Ravens are kind of one of those teams that just doesn't seem like they can get the skill positions right. Yeah. Nick Flowers looks like the real deal, but yeah, he looks he looks awesome. I've had fun watching him, but some of these teams they just for whatever reason like some teams they can never get the kicker right. Like the Bears for a couple of years, they can never get the kicker right, and the Packers can never get special teams right, and the Ravens just for whatever reason can't get skill position guys. Some of these teams that they for whatever reason they just have their thing, and it doesn't really make sense. Maybe that's the Ravens thing. And I think going back to last night's game, the Chargers thing is. They just can't win a game. They are, like, allergic to winning. And that's a problem. And I think it's a, it might be an organizational problem. I think it's a head coach problem, though, first and foremost. So let me ask you this question, Cone. You are an owner of an NFL team. And let's say you own the Chargers last year. And you go into the playoffs. You have, a, what was it, a 27 to nothing lead over the Jags. And you blow the lead, you lose the game. And you believe that, you know, it's not really Brandon Staley's fault. But guess what? You blow a 27-point lead in the playoffs, you got to cut bait with the coach. You, you, I think I would sit down with the coach and say, look, I don't want to fire you. I think you're a good coach. 
but this is going to hang over this team as long as you're the coach. So I'm just going to cut bait now because probably in a year or two, we're going to be doing this anyways. You know what I mean? I think sometimes after these traumatic losses, you have to cut bait with a coach, even if it's a coach that you like. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's very similar to the the whole bud thing with yes. Milwaukee with the Bucks. You know, drastic loss, upset, eight seed. You got to make a change. Just make a change. Yes, yes. New voices need new new aura because I think after week one or two, um, the Chargers head coach addressed the media and was like, was asked the question about last year's playoff loss lingering over this season. And he said, no, absolutely not. It doesn't. But even speaking that into existence makes me believe that that stink that is on the Chargers is still the season. Yeah. And another example, like I think, I think knowing what we know now, the Packers could have and maybe should have just moved off of McCarthy and Thompson after 2014. I know that was a great team, but they tried it in 15, didn't work, tried it in 16. Like it got worse progressively every year. And looking back, they should have just cut bait after 14. It's like, look, this is an organizational or an organization shaking loss. Like we need to switch things up and go in a different direction after this. And it never got as good as it was in 14 under Ted Thompson and McCarthy again. And I think probably the same will be true of, of the Chargers, even though they lost what in the wild card round, they didn't make the championship round. But I think sometimes you got to make that change after a horrible loss like that. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, Maybe it's good that we're not the ones making these decisions. Or maybe well, we should be. Yeah. I don't know. As an owner, like, again, but I'm a hands-off owner. I let my football people make these decisions. Do you have a read on the Diamondbacks tonight before I let you go? What do you think? They even the series uh, up? I don't think so. I think <laughs> Philly's just got too much firepower. I mean, we saw yesterday, what, three home runs in the first two innings for the Phillies. Tough to compete with that, especially when us Diamondbacks, we, we don't have the power that, that Philly does. And, you know, going into the playoffs, you think small ball could win, putting the ball in play can win. But it's it's clear after, you know, the first couple series that it's it's all about the long ball. It is. Chicks dig the long ball. Long ball wins in October. Appreciate you, Cohen. Good luck to your Diamondbacks tonight. I hope we at the very least get a series. Yep. Let's go Diamondbacks. Appreciate you, Cohen. That is a cone roller who hails from Phoenix, Arizona. Appreciate that. Got some tweets at Wisco Grant. Uh, again, appreciate you, Mike. A tweet from Rory, who is a good contributor, a fine contributor to our morning show as well, over the line. He is the king on Twitch. Maybe you, uh, you recognize him for his game on Twitch. No football or is there hockey? Question mark. Come on, Grant. There are three college football games, and there are nine NHL games. I understand you're more of a basketball guy, but I'm disappointed. Uh, well, okay, so it's Tuesday. What is there, Mac on? Okay, sorry, sorry, I'm not getting back. I did watch the Big 12, or not the Big 12, uh, Big Sky Conference on Saturday night. I was in a hotel room in Rice Lake. We talked about that with Badger Bloody Reviews at length yesterday. Right off 53, great hotel right behind a quick trip. 10 out of 10 would recommend if you're looking to stay in the, the Rice Lake Cameron area for whatever reason i did watch the montana grizzlies play the idaho vandals and it was for what was the matchup for it was like the little brown stein i think little i'm gonna google it real quick little brown stein football i don't think it was jug i thought it was stein Yeah, yeah yeah the little brown stein is a rivalry trophy awarded to the winner of the college football game between the idaho vandals and the University of Montana Grizzlies. That's the one in Missoula, not in Bozeman, uh, Idaho, not in Boise, but up in Moscow, up in the little finger of Idaho. 
So, Rory, before you lecture me on being a basketball guy, uh, I watched Big Sky College football on Saturday night. What were you doing, Rory? Were you watching Big Sky? Were you watching FCS football? No. I didn't think so. Thank you for the tweet, though. I appreciate your your interaction as always. Mr. Football on Twitter says, How's the fishing trip? Please discuss now on Wisco Sports Show in all caps. I didn't catch anything. Um, Normally don't on that river that I was on. Uh, Well, steelhead are hard to catch. Fish at 10,000 casts. But also it's hard. I go up there every spring, every fall. Depends on the weekend I'm up there. Although there were other people catching fish. Talked to an old timer named Ron. Uh, stopped and sat down behind us. Ron was missing a couple of teeth, but God, he was the nicest guy. He had his waiters, and you know he had been out there at, at pert near six o'clock that morning. He was telling us all about this hole and that hole. And well, I like to fish with night crawlers because sometimes that's all they're biting. And you know, so I, I did meet a nice man named Ron who lives up in that neck of the woods. I always like meeting locals, but no, I didn't. I didn't catch anything. But you know, it's just nice to be out there. That's what we always tell ourselves as we. You know, fish for hours on end without catching anything. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? Grant, I had to call in after I got dropped yesterday. Yeah, we, we missed your, your closing case. argument or your clinching <laughs> statement. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it's funny because I didn't realize it. So I had no idea, like, what point the call dropped. <laughs> but I was going on this very negative tear and then had ultimately the plan of, like, what we can look forward to for positive signs for this Badger football team. For those of you who weren't listening yesterday, not feeling good about the future, not feeling good about uh, this coaching staff as it's currently performing and just seemingly have a total inability to use the talent that exists on the roster. But just a quick note that I wanted to add to the context is I think that they're they're going to recognize it, right? Like, these are professional coaches. These guys are getting paid hundreds of thousands, if not millions, at the head coaching level mm-hmm. uh, to do this day in and day out. And so I think, like, I'm not on the fire the coach train. I am concerned going forward, but I do trust that individuals that are at the top of their profession recognize, holy crap, something's going to have to change here. Something's going to have to give. I don't know what exactly that is, but... Going forward, I think, you know, every game is a toss-up now. Outside of the Ohio State, I don't think we've got a shot in hell at that game. But every other game is going to be an absolute dogfight. And I think that's what kind of makes the season fun. That is – so I also feel like they could have won that Iowa game. It's not like they got blown off the ball. I I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit more optimistic about this Badgers team than most. Up until this Iowa loss, and I talked about this with Bill, I'm like, I don't know. You know, they had the loss to Washington State, but they lost to Washington State last year. Other than that, you know, they handled their their Big Ten opener against Purdue and they navigated their non-conference. It wasn't always perfect, but it felt like maybe they were trending in the right direction and maybe seeing growth. But our friend Zach Heilpern asked Luke Fickle yesterday, he said, what do you feel you're better at now than you were at the beginning of the year? Where have you improved? And old Coach Fickle didn't really have an answer for our guy, Zach. So that worries me because I I was hoping, you know, at this point we're feeling more confident about this. We're feeling more comfortable about this. I I don't know that 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 thing or things, I I don't know if that exists. I just think, you know, and and I was one of the few going into the season that was pessimistic to start, right? But I think, like, the fun of a season like this, and at this point it doesn't matter whether you're talking about the Packers or the Badgers, it's not an expectation that we're going to blow the doors off of anybody else on the schedule for either team. Yeah. Northwestern, for all the crap that we gave them all offseason and for how low the expectations were, those kids are still fighting. 
and I know, you know, they're 21, 22, so if you want to be mad about using the word kid, whatever. Yeah, come but, on. But, you know, they're Division One athletes fighting on the field just like everybody else. And so when it comes down to it, would a loss to Northwestern surprise me? No. Do I think fans should say the sky is falling if we do lose to Northwestern? No, and I think that's kind of the fun of this year. It is a rebuilding year for both the Packers and the Badgers. So every Sunday now, we got Packer football for a long time. No more wonky Thursday night crap. Um, you know, every Saturday we got Badger football, and I think the fun of this football season for everybody involved is we have no idea what's going to happen. The only certainty is we're going to be absolutely smacked by Ohio State. Yeah. But everything else is going to be fun. Well, that's nothing new. I got to take a break, Vagabond John, but I will have you know that I am going to defend Joe Barry within the next half hour over some comments that he made to the Packers beat in the media yesterday. So stay tuned for that. You will appreciate I that. can't wait. And Grant, I'm excited at some point in the offseason to go full deep discourse on are you Team Highway 53 or Team Highway 51? Oh, and I can't wait to get into that conversation at a later date. Well, let's do that at a later date. I appreciate you back on, John. Have a good one. I think I know my answer. 51 or 53? I think that's an open and shut case. We all, it's 53. I mean, come on. I mean, 53 takes you through God's country. It takes you through the beautiful 715. Howie Do It tweets in. Says, do you think A.J. Dillon is still having fun playing football? He never smiles on the field anymore. No, because he's getting his... He's getting his ass kicked every play. And for what? For two and a half yards of carry. Let's take a break. I want to talk more Packers, and I want to react to some comments from the Packers coordinators yesterday. Yes, from Vagabond John's guy, Joe Barry, but also a couple things that Adam Stenovich had to say. I'm looking forward to that. We'll do that next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, less than one hour away from getting to Mike Clemens. He's going to join us, recap what all the coordinators said yesterday. Packers made Adam Stenovich, Joe Barry, Rich Bisaccia, all available to the media. Some good questions, some interesting answers, so we'll get to that. I want to defend Joe Barry here in a minute, but first, I've got a caller patiently waiting on hold. I hate to make people wait. 608-321-1670, Wisco Sports Show, who's this? Hey, Grant, I hope you're doing well. This is Bubba from Cranberry Country. <laughs> What's up, Bubba? Bubba, I thought, I, of like you, do... I, I thought of you the other day. I drove through Warren's on 94, and I was like, I wonder what yeah. Bubba's up to today. I think they're going to fix the sign they have a, uh, today. They're going to fix it today? Or what did you say? You cut out there for I mean, a second. I, I doubt today. Uh, they have a lift out there today. They delivered it this morning. No kidding. So you 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 gonna... you pass by the Three Bears Lodge on a not a not a daily basis, but well enough to know what's going on at least. I pass by it about every three hours because I live right above it. <laughs> oh, that a boy. Oh, okay, so that a boy. You you are in the loop. Well, keep us abreast of what's going on along ninety four. We've got a lot of highway talk, so this is pertinent to the show this week. Yeah, I will do that. I would like to sh- a shout out to my UW Lacrosse Screaming Eagle teammates who won uh, Saturday. I think it was. Damn straight. Beat Platteville by a long, long field goal. Sole possession of of the lead in the WEAC. That's, I mean, I Jesus. That. I mean, leading that conference I, this time of year, that's no small feat. That's for sure. And uh, I hope they can represent like we did in 92. I miss when, awesome. when all the guys were roided up. That's when UWL was really at its peak, <laughs> don't you think? 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was also this weekend up at Lake Gitchagumi for where you were. No kidding. Where were you? Yep. Uh, I'd rather not say it's private land. That's fine. Hey, I get it. Hey, yep. say say less. It was beautiful, though. The gales of October were harsh, though, weren't they? Oh. Yes, they were. I got gas up there for $1.79. No, but no, you didn't. Did you really? Yeah. Yep. Went to, went to Taco Bell. <laughs> I've, uh, I've never heard that one before, Bubba. Well done. <laughs> uh, anything else before I let you go? Nothing much. Just kudos to uh, UW Screaming Eagles. Keep it going. Hell yeah. Appreciate you, Bubba. Thanks for the call. All right. Have a good one. That man does not live in Warren's. It's not. No. I don't believe it. We get callers from a lot of weird places. I don't buy it. Uh, But, hey, uh, until I can catch him in a lie or something, I guess I'll go along with it. I want to react to the words of Joe Barry really quickly because I feel the need to defend him. Joe Barry was asked, hounded. Some might even say how Preston Smith ends up matched up on Devontae Adams, possibly the best wide receiver in football. So here's the Q&A. It's about a minute 50. Listen to this exchange, and then we're going to break it down. Uh, but I want you to hear the background and, and all the words of Joe Barry first. That was, I, I wish it was that easy. I, I, I really uh, would. We called a, uh, you know, we called a, a, we called a coverage that required Preston to drop and, he happened to be a boundary dropper, and they happened to put Tay at, at slot into the boundary. So, um, you know, sometimes you'll have mechanisms where you have, you know, checks or, or things built in where you can get out of that. We simply, just because based on the personnel we were in and the personnel that they were in, we didn't have that mechanism, um, you know, and it, it ended up being... Why, why didn't you ask about the, the other three catches and the tw- 23 yards oh, that Tay had? You, you just brought up that one catch. Well, no, I, just want, yeah, I was curious, not so much why Preston was under virgin. I just yeah. wonder why you got a veteran corner and a veteran lineman. I mean, hey, can you just talk amongst yourselves at this switch on their own? I guess that's kind of... I wish it was that easy. Um, and, and, that, and that thing, it was... It was, it was a... Uh, you almost have to just, if you're pressing, you almost have to just survive the down and try to keep it to as, as minimal as you can. Um, but that's a that's a that's a poor matchup for him to be in, and that that's that's totally on me for for us to be able to put him in that situation. We got to have a mechanism to get out of it, um, and we just have a have to have a built-in check, which we will and we can do. But based on the personnel that they were in, we never thought it would come up. So um, ended up being a bad play on on totally on my it was that was me it was not Preston. Yeah, I guess why maybe you can't say this is top secret, but well, like there was school to say to Preston, hey, let me. You know, they're both veteran guys. I guess what what prevents them from because Preston's not a corner and he can't go. It'd be even worse to have to have him play a, a you know a deep third. You wouldn't you wouldn't want that. So you have mechanisms that you can survive the down, and I didn't give him one. So. It was it was probably the worst play of the night, unfortunately. So I get Joe Barry's frustration here, okay? Joe Barry's been a punchline, and he's been a, a, a total punching bag for Packers fans, for Packers media, and, and you know, the, the gas bags in sports talk have been beaten up on this guy for years. You know, sports talk radio hosts, they're the absolute worst with some of the takes that they spew. So I, I am sympathetic to how Joe Barry probably feels, the way he feels about what people say about him and, and how people discuss him. Now, I don't think Joe Barry's the best defensive coordinator in football. And I don't think the the defense that he runs is particularly effective. And by the way, we're seeing that league-wide. If you look at Vic Fangio-type 
coaches that run the system that Vic Fangio does too high, uh, you know, keeping a lid on the defense. They're not trending all of that well. M- most elite defenses right now are not running the Vic Fangio type system. So maybe it's not a Joe Barry problem. I just don't really like the scheme. But I completely understand why Joe Barry's like, why are you hounding me right now? Our offense can't possess the ball. They can't have an extended drive. They didn't do anything against a Raiders defense that's putrid. Against a coach who's a knucklehead. Off an 11-day layoff in Vegas in front of a crowd that was all Packers fans in a dome. Conditions were perfect for the Packers offense to perform. They didn't. And you're going to put me under the microscope just because you think it's easy to to rip Joe Barry. And you're going to get mad at me and and, and question me and, and rail me in a press conference over a play that was, well, how many yards did Devontae Adams get on that play? Was it like 10 yards? And I only went for 40 yards and scored a touchdown. If that was the worst play of the game, Devontae Adams getting a catch and, and, and moving the sticks on a first down, if that's the worst play of the game, you're doing pretty good. And I am sympathetic to a defensive coach because a defensive coach is kind of, an, in defense in general, it's the reactive side of the ball, right? You're always reacting. So you are always going to be reacting, and the defense is always wrong. And if your worst play is Preston Smith, trying to contain Devontae Adams and failing and having him fall forward for, what, 10 to 15 yards? You're doing pretty good. And they contained Devontae Adams the rest of the night. And then if I was Joe Barry, I'd get especially annoyed because Bill Huber, who's a friend of the network and a really nice guy when I've when I've connected him with Bill and, and brought him on the show, but what do you mean? Rasul Douglas and, and Preston Smith, you want Preston Smith to shift outside? You want him to play, like, quarters or drop back in a deep zone or play what what was the phrase that Barry used an outer third what kind of question is that you want Preston Smith to then shift to outside corner and have him potentially be even farther down the field that didn't didn't make any sense Joe Barry gave an exclamation or an explanation a little bit of an exclamation too on why that play happened on what went wrong if that's the biggest sin that Joe Barry commits on defense this month I think we'll be okay I understand that people mock it on social media. Social media doesn't win football games. Highlights don't win football games. Memes and and funny tweets don't win football games. Joe Barry's defense was good enough to win that game the other night. More than good enough to win that game. They kept Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams in check. What else do you want? All Matt LaFleur had to do was to just keep the ball away and and to keep the play away from Max Crosby. He's the one guy on defense that you had to avoid. They couldn't do it. Meanwhile, Joe Barry's shutting down probably the Raiders' two best players. And he's got to answer questions. Well, 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 why? From Bill Huber. Well, why, well, what was preventing Preston Smith from just switching? Oh, and playing outside corner? That would be better, Bill? Yeah, I'd be frustrated if I was Joe Barry, too. Let's take one final break. We'll come back in three minutes. Wrap up hour number one of the Wisco Sports Show now. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show. I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant. My my mentions, my notifications on Twitter are just lighting up, and not just because of all the porn bots liking all of my tweets. Uh, I have Onabam fan and Vagabond John arguing back and forth about Highway 53 and Highway 51, and which one is better. Uh, I agree with Onabam, saying that Manaqua is just a poor man's trigo. I agree. The farther west, the best. It doesn't work perfectly. Let me try that one more time. Head west. It's the best. The northwest side of the state. That's where it is. Eagle River. Sorry, Jim Rome. Doesn't do it for me. Manaqua, Rhinelander. 
Uh, I don't enjoy that part of the state. Give me the northwest corner all the time. 53, baby. And I tweeted this at Wisco Grant because I do enjoy some highway discourse, especially when the Packers are on by. Like, why not? You take a cruise from Eau Claire up to Superior this time of year, you come back from that trip and look me in the eye and tell me that that is not the finest stretch of highway that our great state has to offer. Highway 51. Don't give me that. I take Highway 93. Give me 93. Lacrosse to Eau Claire through beautiful Arcadia. Talk about scenic. 51. I'd take 93 over 51. Sorry, Vagabond John. I'll take uh, 53 is, oh, I, I am so back in on 53 after this weekend. I, I might I might prefer 53 to 94. I mean, what a beautiful cruise. And the thing about 94 is you get this corrugated concrete, this grooved concrete that's so loud on the tires. Up in the Northwoods, you have divided highway that's often divided by a, a patch of forest. It's beautiful. So you don't feel like you are on this mechanical, disruptive highway. You feel like you're in nature, and you're very often driving on asphalt or on whatever surface that is. If you work in construction or you're an engineer of any kind, you know. It's not black. It's like it's like a clay-colored road. I don't know what that is, but it makes for a much smoother, much quieter driving experience, which I very much prefer to whatever 94 is. I know that's some sort of concrete or this or that or whatever. This has been Highway Talk on the Wisco Sports Show. Coming back after this update at 5 o'clock from Zach Heilprin, I want to hear some comments from Adam Stenovich. I handpicked two comments specifically uh, that I want to talk about and that I want to react to. We're also going to connect with Mike Clemens. He's going to be here at 5.30. He'll give us his thoughts and what he heard from Packers coordinators and coaches, what he expects against Denver coming up this weekend as the Packers come out of the bye, and what we need to see over the next month. The first kind of portion of the season is in the books. It started on a high note, didn't end too well. Now we have a bye week. What do we expect to see, let's say, against the Broncos, the Vikings, and the Rams coming out of the bye? Mike Clemens will talk about that. Hour two of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. A competitive spirit and just really dial in and truly taking it one day at a time and focus on what lies ahead. And that is improving. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. I don't know what it is about highways. I love highway talk. Midwesterners, we're just not opposed to driving. We'll drive forever. We'll go and we'll go and go. Six hours? Oh, that's nothing. We'd get a plane ticket. No, it's only 19 hours down to Florida. I'll just drive it. Save the money. Probably about the same amount of money when you when you factor it all in. But us Midwesterns, we just like to drive. We like our highways. I like my highways. I like highway talk. I like the experience that comes with being on the highway. Like for well over a year, uh, I was in a long-distance relationship it was three hours every other Sunday or every three weeks. And, and I came to just have a system in my car. I knew the Ion football stations. I knew where I could get CBS Sports Radio. I knew all the Packers Radio Network affiliates across the state. Vikings. I knew when and where I could pull in the score signal from Chicago. If I could get a little Bears post game after that game, that was always good. I just like the driving experience, okay, and everything that goes along with it. I like being on, on 53. I'm jealous of Bill. Bill gets to leave Milwaukee tomorrow. Get on 94, go to the split, 
just outside of Toma, 9094. Get on 90. Drive through beautiful Sparta. It's a beautiful place to be. I think of Tim from Sparta, one of our callers. It's a beautiful time of year to be around Sparta. I'm jealous of Bill. What's my commute? What's my drive tomorrow? Oh, 20 minutes. 94 onto the Beltline. Which, speaking of the Beltline, I'm starting... I, I swear I'm not crazy. I swear I'm not lying to you, and I'm not crazy. I'm not seeing things. I am starting to recognize cars on the Beltline every morning. There's this black Audi SUV. And tomorrow, if I see it again, I'm going to write down the license plate. But it was a woman with, like, uh, not beach blonde hair, like platinum blonde hair, like shorter, straightened platinum blonde hair. And I see her like a couple times a week. We're on the same schedule. One of my uh, one of my commuting partners They're on the Beltline. But Bill gets to see so much of our great state tomorrow. What do I get to see? I get to see the east side of Madison, which is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. And on Sunday, I got to travel superior all the way back down to Madison through Eau Claire by way of Highway 53, which I think is maybe our finest highway in the state. It was such a pleasurable driving experience. I swear. I, I loved it. I'm a 53 guy. I buy, I'll buy all the 53 stock. That you're willing to sell me. Highway 51 can take a hike. Give me 53 every day of the week. Thank you, Vagabond John, for bringing this discourse to Twitter and distracting me for the rest of the show. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Mike Clemens is going to be here at 530 to talk Packers. Looking forward to that as all the coordinators were made available yesterday. And that's that's what I want to talk about until we get to Mike. Now, Mike's going to bring us audio of Bisacci and Joe Barry and uh, uh, Adam Stenovich. I like when Adam Stenovich speaks with the media. And I think the Packers beat... I think they like it, too. I, I think the Packers beat. They enjoy Bisaccia because he's very candid and upfront. And I think they enjoy Adam Stenovich because earlier this year, Adam Stenovich gave him a nugget about Yash Nijman. You know, some people rise to the level of competition in camp and others don't. And it seemed very pointed. It seemed like he was calling out his player in the media. And Matt LaFleur probably wouldn't do that. Joe Barry probably wouldn't do that. But sometimes you catch these coordinators. They're not as polished in press conference speak. So you can get them to say things. So I think the, the jackals were out a little bit. And I say jackals in the most endearing terms, because I love the Packers beat. They bring us the coverage and they bring us the quotes and and the insider perspective that we can't get on our own sitting at home or like me sitting in this radio studio. So I say jackals in the best way, jackals circling Adam Stenovich, trying to get him to cough up some interesting information. A couple Adam Stenovich comments that I wanted to play you. Uh, I heard we, we listened to the whole press conference on the Bill Michael show earlier today, and I circled a couple of things that I wanted to come back to tonight because we don't have time to listen to the whole thing. It's only a two-hour show. He was asked about the screen game and the Packers' struggles trying to run screens and executing screens. And I thought that was an, an interesting question. It was Tom Silverstein that asked it. Journal Sentinel, Spoon, longtime Packers, highly regarded, revered even, award-winning Packers beat writer. He says, why, why, are this, why is the screen game such a struggle? It seems like they're trying to set up screens on second long and they can't get it blocked or even when they can get it blocked. It just it, it hasn't been working so Adam Stenovich here talked about the screen game and why it's not working. It's only about 30 seconds. Take a listen to this. There's a few things. Um, you know, screens, they're kind of hit and miss. It's not like, you know, you throw it and it's a bad look. Oh, crap. Like, it is what it is. But if you throw it into a right look, that's where you want to get those explosive plays. And I think right now the frustrating thing is we, we're throwing in, into some of these good looks and we're just not getting the explosive plays that we normally had. So a lot of it comes down to just blocking, whether it's on the perimeter or up front with the offensive line, uh, getting to their targets, and then guys just, again, making plays when they get the ball in their hand, breaking a tackle, whatever it may be. So I heard, in polite terms, A.J. Dillon ain't seeing it. He's not seeing it. He's not seeing the blocks in front of him. He's not seeing the path. He's not seeing the play. And he's not seeing 
the route that he's supposed to take, the route that the play is designed for him to take. Now, he does also shout out his offensive line. He says, well, it's a matter of blocking, too. you got to get it blocked. But there have been instances this year where a screen has been blocked well and things have set up and the way is paved for A.J. Dillon. And then he's like four yards. I'm like, huh? we get, we got to get... We got to get more on that. I think there was a play in the Bears game, and I'd have to go back and I'd have to watch the All Twenty Two to find it. I think it was second half of the Bears game after AJ Dillon left with an injury. Might have been the Falcons game. It was Week One or Week Two after, of course, Aaron Jones got hurt. Did I say AJ Dillon? Aaron Jones got hurt, and they had this great screen to the right side, so the far side of the screen. Because if I remember correctly, they were driving right to left as we watched it on TV. And the play was probably just off the the right side tight end towards the slot. And it was blocked great. And it was it looked great. And then A.J. Dillon picked up like four or five yards. I was like, what? You got to get more on that. And I don't think it's just a matter of speed and explosivity. Remember Eddie Lacy? He had a couple bombs in 2014 off of screens where he would just rumble patiently. But he would keep his eyes up and he'd run the right way. It's about running smarter, not harder. Sometimes let the blockers establish in front of you. Take the correct path. Take the smart path. It's not about running guys. Although AJ Dillon tested really, really, really well at the combine. He was faster and more explosive than Aaron Jones was. You'd never guess it. But I loved his explanation of of screens. Sometimes the look isn't there. Sometimes it doesn't develop. It's not blocked. So the ball's got to get dirted. I would also contend that maybe I wouldn't trust this offensive line to establish a screen as much as they trust this offensive line to establish a screen. It's like, geez, second and 10, if you don't get any yards here, it's third and 10, and you're basically cooked, and you're trusting Josh Myers, John Runyon, and a rookie Caleb Jones or a young player in Zach Tom to perfectly and precisely throw down some blocks and set things up for AJ. That's too much. There's too many variables there. So I'm a big players, not plays guy. I don't think they have the players and the personnel to be a great screen team, and they keep trying it. But when it's set up and when it's blocked well, A.J. Dillon hasn't turned it into anything. And I loved what he said, when it's blocked well and when it when it works out, you got to turn it into an explosive play, and the Packers haven't. It's like, ooh, great play, six yards. It's like, no, that play could have gone for 60 if the, if the back or the pass catcher or the, the player with the ball had any sort of dynamism and it had any sort of vision. A.J. Dillon has neither right now for whatever reason. He also talked about Jordan Love's completion percentage. From the perspective of an offensive coordinator, a little more technical answer than maybe a Matt LaFleur would give. And I found that interesting, and we're going to get to that. But first, let's take a call. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? Southside Scott. Southside Scott. It has been a minute, Scott. What's going on? Not much. First, I want to talk about the driving on the highways and everything. Yes. Well, I love it as well. We just drove, we have a great system in this our- state. I love it. Well, I'm originally from California, so oh. highways are everywhere out there. Why Why in California do you guys call it the two or the six? Why? Because I've, like, wanted to sarcastically do that. Like, I get on the 94 and head over to Milwaukee for the weekend. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. what's that cultural difference? Explain that to me. It's just the way the freeways are set up. You got the, the one, which is the PCH, goes up and down the whole coast. I suppose. It's just the way the freeways are set up. That's why they're numbered that way. Get on the two. They had an SNL skit about that back. That was Bill Hader and Fred Arneson. What are you doing here? Get on the two. Go back to Mulholland. Like, they just have a way of talking about roads out there that I like. Yeah. I wish we would do it here. I'm going to get on the 53. Go up to Eau Claire for the weekend, you know? But other than that, of course, the Packers are playing the Broncos. So I had to call. 
Oh yeah, you're a Bronco. Yeah, that's right, you're a Broncos fan. We have we have a Jags fan. You're the Broncos fan. Dean and Lacrosse is the is the Vikings fan. The lawyer and the Vikings fan. You're the Broncos fan. How dead is Broncos fandom right now? You guys have a ton of money in your quarterback and your coach, and both seem to stink. Everybody wants their head on a spike right now. But you can't. You can't put you know, Sean Payton's head on a spike, can you? He's there for a while, at the very least. There's too much money involved, even with the. Uh, even with Wilson, it's just too much money. Even if we drop him, that's that's too much of a dead dead hit. We have no choice but to keep Wilson around. So what do they do? Because if this is the version of Russell Wilson that you're getting, you got to find a way to make do with that at least for the rest of the year. I mean, maybe they figure out something well, with the he, money, but well, he's played better this year than he did last year. The record doesn't show it, but he has statistically. Hmm. I don't know what they do, but they got they got they got hundreds of millions of dollars tied up in a coach and a quarterback, and neither one is doing a good job. Well, where they messed up was is rehiring Vince Joseph after he was fired from the Broncos. Why can't Sean Payton get his defensive coordinator right? Some coaches, like Kyle Shanahan, is at a home run on every DC he's hired. The Packers can't get one right. Sean Payton until he got um, Dennis Allen in New Orleans, he couldn't do anything defensively. Their defense sucked. Yeah, so it's just it's frustrating. You know, maybe we'll get a second win this weekend. Maybe not. All right. Well, I hope that you don't for the sake of my team. There is a case, like, if the Packers lose the Broncos this week 31-30, all right, that'll that'll give me something. That'll give me some positivity about the offense. Um, and then, yeah, of course, we'll be back to ripping Joe Barry, but at least it's something different. It's a competitive game, then. Yeah. Defensive would suck if it's a 31 30 game, but <laughs> we'd both take it for the entertainment value, though. I think both of our fan bases, yeah. after what we've been going through, yeah, I just want to see a good game. That's all I want to see. Yeah, I just want for everybody to have fun. Is that too much sass, Southside Scott? Probably, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, hey, I'm a Broncos yeah. fan. Yeah, it's too much to ask. I'm a Broncos fan and a Rockies fan. Come oh, on. Oh, man. At least you got Chris Bryant, you know. At least we got the Nuggets who won the championship. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I feel like Denver doesn't get enough credit for that. Like, Denver is a sports town, doesn't get thought of like, oh, Denver's got to be happy they, they got the Nuggets. Like, I'm a major basketball fan, huge NBA guy, and I forget about that. And we did, you know, the Avs did win the Stanley Cup a couple, like two, year, two or three years ago. That's right. The Broncos are just so bad. And the NFL, you know, football is king, Scott. It is. Yeah. I don't always oh, I like know. it, but it is. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the call. Good luck to your team, and maybe we'll talk again soon. Maybe we'll have to talk next week about what happened. Yeah, I'll give you a call. Appreciate it, Scott. Have a good one. All right. Later. I'm glad that Scott uh, contributing to our, our highway conversation. So, oh, oh, we'll get back to Stenovich in a sec. Bear with me for two minutes here, Tops. I just got a tweet from Pure Steel Podcast, official Twitter of the Pure Steel Podcast out of Westby. This tweet rules says, County Road P from Coon Valley through Westby to the Kickapoo Valley is the best highway, and it's not even close, pal. W. Massive W. Okay, I don't know if you're familiar with this Pure Steel podcast, whoever, whoever's tweeting. So I lived in La Crosse for six or seven years. Six, seven years. I'm a big fly fisherman, okay? So that area of the state is paradise. And my favorite stretch to fish, well, if time is no object, maybe I'd go a little bit farther, maybe go down towards... Uh, I don't want to say the name of the little the little village where my favorite spot of river is, but it's down towards Viroqua, farther towards Viroqua and closer toward Viroqua than it is to Coon Valley or to Westby down there in the Driftless region. County Road P from Coon Valley. You can get on Coon Creek. You can get on the Timber Coulee. 
Uh, I think Ruland's Creek empty. I think that's where it mixes with with the Timber Coulee, right? I mean, you can picture the bridge. If you know this valley, you know the exact bridge I'm talking about. You know, there's a church on the left. That is that county road P, which quantitatively does not stack up against Highway 53 or 51 or some of these other highways we're talking about. But pound for pound, I don't disagree that 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 stretch of highway is up there with any other highway in the state. And I would describe it this way. If you've ever been to Montana, and Colorado might be the same way, but I've only been to Colorado once or twice, and I didn't spend a lot of time driving. But the way that things work in, in Montana, or at least southwest Montana, if you've seen this, the show Yellowstone, you have a good understanding of this. Everything takes place in a valley, right? As the crow flies, like Big Sky and Bozeman or Big Sky and Ennis, not that far apart. Just like how Aspen and Denver, as the crow flies, not that far apart because of the, the topography, is your $2 word, because of the way the mountains lie and the way they, they've built the roads in these valleys, you need to go around, and, and everything kind of takes place within the valley. And out in Montana, at least where I like to go fly fish, you have Paradise Valley, which is right outside Livingston. And then you have the Madison River Valley, which heads up towards West Yellowstone and, and up, up that way, you know, up towards Idaho and those states, and uh, obviously Wyoming. Or I guess that would be south. It would be, it would be down south. Everything takes place in a valley. And it's beautiful because you're driving through and you maybe have fields on either side of you. There's typically a river because the river is at the bottom of the valley. And then you have mountains on the left, mountains on the right, and it's beautiful. The driftless corner of the state down by Coon Valley and Westby, it's the same. It's just smaller. It's just scaled down. But I, oh my God, I tell you what, some of the most beautiful nights, some of the most scenic uh, spots in the entire state of Wisconsin are down there on those highways. You are 100% correct. When you're driving next to you got the timber coulee on your right, long green grass. It's it's July or it's late June, so the days are long. It's 8 o'clock, but the sun is still out, and you look, and you have the, the, the old Norwegian-style architecture, the little houses built into the hillsides and the little farms. Oh, God, taking me back. Thank you for this tweet. I needed this. And, I yes, I think you can stack up that stretch of road against any other stretch of road in the state. It's beautiful. If you're a fly fisherman or if you spend time down there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I would recommend those of you from Madison or Eau Claire or Milwaukee. You know, we think of destinations. We think of vacation destinations in the state of Wisconsin. We think of up north, obviously. We think of Devil's Lake. Um, Wisconsin Dells to a lesser degree. Obviously, if you've got a family, you take to water parks. But, you know, you can, there's a lot of natural beauty around the Dells, too. Um, we don't often think of, of Viroqua. And the western corner of the state, I'm telling you, you guys, you would be floored. So some of you have lived in your in Wisconsin your entire life, and you've never been to that corner of the state. You would be floored. Your eyes will fall out of your head at some of the scenery and the rolling hills and the valleys and the creeks. You're like, where am I? Am I am I am I in Appalachia right now? No, you're in between La Crosse and Viroqua. Yeah, you, you got you got two Bill Michaels affiliates within spitting distance. So you're, you're in the thick of it down there. I know I said, give me two minutes, and then I talked for like five minutes. But I, I'm very passionate about that corner of the state. It's beautiful. So if one of these summers you're like, oh, should we go up to the North Shore? Should we go to Devil's Lake? Should we go? Go to the western corner of Wisconsin. Go to Viroqua. Go to La Crosse and then drive south. It's just 40 minutes. This is why La Crosse. I'm going to keep going on this. We might never talk about the Packers ever again. This is why La Crosse, pound for pound, you can stack it up against Madison. You can stack it up against Milwaukee. You can stack it up against Eau Claire. I love Eau Claire. It's just a little bit. See, you're up towards Eau Claire. Now you're closer to the Twin Cities, and then, you know you kind of rearrange the calculus of 
the nearest big city and kind of the logistics of, you know, everything. You stack up lacrosse against any other state. I, I think lacrosse is the best city in the state because you are a half hour away from just about anything. You, not even a half hour. You got the Mississippi River right there, which is a haven for any and all natural activities. You want to go boating. You want to go fishing. Uh, you want to go out there on the ice and ice fish in the winter or whatever boat. It's just beautiful, obviously. And then you got the bluffs, right? Hiking, rolling hills. And then you drive 20 minutes south. You're in the Driffles area. And take County Road P from the south side of Coon Valley. You go left at the church. Right will take you to Westby on the highway, but I would recommend going left on P and just cruising through there. It's it's beautiful. And it's all within 20 minutes of lacrosse. So this is not an advertisement for the lacrosse chamber of commerce, but it could be. Let's take a two-minute break. Come back. And I, I want to get one more cu- uh, cut of Adam Stenovich. Talk about Jordan Love for a couple minutes before we get to Mike Clemens. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, Mike Clemens to join us in just a couple of minutes. I'm uh, behind coming back to break here because I'm tweeting. Uh, I found a picture of County Road P. I have a lot of them. I feel like I should keep looking for more. But uh, this tweet from Pure Steel Podcast has completely derailed the show. Eh, no, you've railed the show. You, you put the show on the track that it was meant to be on. I just didn't know it when I wrote the show rundown earlier today. Mike Clemens said to join us, like I said, uh, one clip that I think is is very worthwhile, very interesting, uh, and worth talking about from Adam Stenovich. Spoke to the media yesterday, and I'm sure we're going to hear more of this press conference and talk more about it when Mike Clemens joins the show. Adam Stenovich was asked, why is Jordan Love's completion percentage so bad? Average completion percentage in the NFL is, is what, about 60-something percent, mid-60s percent? And Jordan Love is, is obviously beneath that. I think the last time I checked, he's 32nd in the NFL in... Uh, in completion percentage is not good. Okay. Now I'm not looking to be overly critical, but there's really no other way to, to stack that other than it sucks. Uh, and I just, I wanted to make one little audio setting to this uh, clip. So it would be a little bit easier for you to hear. There you go. Here's Adam Stenovich talking about why Jordan loves completion percentage is not very good. Well, there's a few things that go into that, but the biggest thing is, yes, we just got to help him with kind of what we're doing, making sure that, we're staying efficient as an offense uh, to allow him to get a better completion percentage because, you know, anytime you're in these second and long situations and things like that where we've been in, um, it's not a high percentage of completions, third and longs. We've had way too many third and longs. Um, and, again, you're not going to have a very high completion percentage, so we definitely do need to do a better job first and second down keeping those manageable situations um, so we can be more efficient as an offense. I think that completion percentage kind of tells the tale of just our offense isn't very efficient right now, for sure. So I'm not here to make excuses for Jordan Love. He has not always been accurate. He's missed throws here and there. He needs to be better, right? Totally, 100%. Um, I don't know that he's been all over the board and and bad and, a, and an inaccurate catastrophe the way some people say. I, I think he's been close on a lot of these. Like, I think of the Saints game. He didn't complete a lot of passes against the Saints for the first couple quarters, but I don't think it's because 
he was off target. They were playing against good physical cornerbacks, and Jaden Reed and Romeo Dobbs and some of the receivers were really struggling to to go out and make plays. And then in the fourth quarter, oh, my God, what happened? Jaden Reed goes and makes a play down the seam. Romeo Dobbs makes a couple plays in the end zone. Uh, Look at this. Right now, wide receivers are making plays, and, and the complete and total tenor of the game has changed. I've also been saying this since the Vegas game, since Monday night, and I, I hope this changes moving forward, but it was very evident against the Raiders. Matt LaFleur's got to let Jordan Love throw in neutral conditions. Right? LaFleur kept Love on a leash in Las Vegas until they were down and they were running out of time, and the Raiders knew that Jordan Love had to pass. That's when Jordan Love started throwing the ball a lot. And yes, those are the moments that quarterbacks need to be really effective to be great. Like part of the reason you pay quarterbacks elite money is because in second and long and third and long and trailing in the fourth quarter, when the other team knows that you're going to pass, the great quarterbacks still are successful passing the ball, right? Great quarterbacks, quarterbacks that are worth their salt and are successful in this league for a long time. Those are quarterbacks that can make the throw on third and 10 with the pass rush, with their ears pinned back, coming downhill, down seven, four minutes left in the fourth with the ball. The the great quarterbacks make throws in that position. Jordan Love has not. He didn't against the Falcons. He didn't against the Raiders. Totally. But he's a rookie, right? I'm not looking for him to mount game-winning drives, although against the Saints, he he did okay. So that's a feather in his cap. I think that's completely and, and totally fair, right? But as a rookie, I want to see Jordan Love passing in advantageous positions, in neutral downs and distances. This is from Zach Cruz earlier today. Completion percentages in different windows for Jordan Love. In first and 10, he's completing 65.8% of his passes. That's league average. That's where you that's where you would be thrilled. If Jordan Love was at 65% all the time, that'd be great. It's not going to be tops in the league. But Jordan Love was not hailed for his accuracy in college. If he can just be pretty good, the Packers will take it. Second and seven plus 39%. Third and seven plus 46%. So in second down and long, third down and long, Jordan Love has sucked. I think part of that has been the last two weeks. They've been in third and long a lot more, and that happened against the Lions quite a bit. Nothing was working against the Lions. So I think his completion percentage in a lot of third and longs versus Detroit tanked and I think that worsened his statistics and we also saw a lot of three and outs see a lot of short drives so the second and then the third and long is obviously not going well for Jordan Love anything other than second and third and long he's completing 63 percent of his passes so second and short third and short and first and 10 he's at 63 percent that's great I'll take that especially in his first couple career games let him pass the ball in neutral situations, when the defense does not know that he's passing, when the defense isn't for sure that he's passing, and when the defense isn't pinning the, the ears back and the pass rush isn't coming after him. Stop handing the ball to Dylan on first and 10 and accepting second and nine. Stop voluntarily putting your quarterback, putting your offense, and I'm speaking to Matt LaFleur here, stop putting your quarterback repeatedly in second and long. And in third and long, we, we always obsess in the NFL about third and manageable. You want to get into manageable down and distances. You know what's preferable to a third and short? A first and 10. Avoiding third down altogether is preferable to third and short. And yes, you don't want to live in third and long, but you don't want to live in third down at all. Avoiding third and long goes without saying. I would prefer to avoid third down at all costs. Now, it's not always possible. So you want to keep your third downs limited and you want to keep them manageable. Rare 
and uh, rare and safe. There's uh, uh, there's an analogy here that I will not draw because it feels a little inappropriate, but maybe some of you know where my mind went there. You want to keep third and down third downs fre- infrequent, and you want to keep them manageable, right? I don't want to be living in second and long and third and long. Avoid third down altogether. It does not make any sense on second and nine to hand the ball to A.J. Dillon to cross our fingers and hope for a third and seven. That's an obvious passing situation, and it's not a situation that Jordan Love, at least at this point in his career, is faring well in, and no kidding, especially against a pass rush like Detroit or a defense like New Orleans. Let's take a five-minute break. We'll come back with Mike Clemens. Talk Packers on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Appreciate you being here. Hope your week is coming along nicely. Speaking of lacrosse, we've been talking a lot about highways. A big fan of 93, lacrosse to Eau Claire. Arcadia, especially this time of year. Oh, beautiful. Great scenic overlook on the north side or, or basically at the top of that hill right up above Arcadia. Always worth a pull off and, and a gaze over a beautiful, I guess, southwest Wisconsin. South of Eau Claire. I love that cruise. I love 14. If you ever have the pleasure of driving from Madison to Viroqua to Lacrosse the long way on 14, would highly recommend. There's just not a better drive on a summer evening than Highway 14. From the south side of Lacrosse to Coon Valley to Viroqua. Um, now, you can go through Westby, although the real pros know that there's little bit of a shortcut you take a uh, cut across road down to Neprude lane maybe you end up on uh what is it a Safia road over there maybe three chimney three chimneys is scenic we're getting really in the weeds uh but man you talk about it's june and it's 7 p.m there's still plenty of sunlight because the days go forever in the early summer maybe you got the brewers game on you're listening to wkty maybe you're listening like i do you throw a little grateful dead on eyes of the world nice 15 minutes of just beautiful Beautiful noodling as you take in farms on one side, scenery. I, I could I could talk and talk and talk. A lot of great highways down there. Uh, I got a couple of replies to this tweet. I will read them. Badger Bloody Reviews says, Trigo, the Riviera of northwest Wisconsin, agreed. Uh, Onabam Fan uh, just says, Quick Trips in all caps. Also tweets, 51 is trash. Minocqua is a simple man's Trigo. Uh, why, how, find me one other day in human history where the town of Trigo has been tweeted about once, let alone twice in the same day. You can't find it. I was driving, we were driving down 53 with my buddy. Uh, we would have been, I guess, south of Superior, probably about 20 minutes, wherever we, we would have been probably rolling up on Minong, uh, Jack Link's country. Remember when Jack Link's used to sponsor extra innings in the Brewers game? I missed that. What happened to that? Anyways. Uh, we were driving down, and I just had my phone on shuffle playing music. And the song Runaway by Kanye West came on, and I looked at my buddy and I said, when was the last time this song has been played in this county? Like, it has to be at least months, right? Like, no one's queuing up my dark, twisted fantasy on the north side of Minong, unless I'm underestimating Minong. I don't know. I don't want to sell out Minong in the, nor- the northern folk. Scott says Highway 8 all the way across. Hey, life is great on Highway 8. Blake says Highway 77 through Clam Lake. 
Eric on I-90 was telling me, I can't remember if it was 77 or 27, that when he goes up to Snowmobile up there, he takes a he takes a different way. Takes a little bit longer, but it's worth it. And I, I think it was 27, but 77 is also great. Elk country up there. You are correct. Uh, Mike says, I'll take 53, but 27 north from Augusta is pretty good, too. Oh, God. Trigo and Augusta on the same thread. Augusta is the Beavers, correct? Mondovi is the Buffalo. Uh, not to be confused. I always mentally confuse Augusta and Altoona. Altoona, go rails. AJ tweets, the term hauntingly beautiful comes to mind. 53 is hauntingly beautiful. David says Highway 55 up to Three Lakes and Eagle River is pretty great also. See, I've never been that way. I need to see more of central northern Wisconsin and eastern northern Wisconsin. I do want to get up to the UP. It's been a couple summers since I've been up there. I would love to go see our friends at the Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum up in Whitefish Point. I would love to go meet. Oh, what was his name? Shoot, he came on the show last year for our, our commemorative Edmund Fitzgerald show. What was his name? Ah, he was the curator up there. He was such a good guest. I can picture his face. We had Rick Mixter and we had the guy from the museum. And I, for the life of me, I can't remember. So maybe I could tie all that into a trip together. If you have been listening for the last couple of minutes, you probably put two and two together. Uh, Mike Clemens had something come up. So we might talk to Mike tomorrow, but for sure Thursday. Uh, Mike probably has some great stories about highways, probably has better stories about the Packers, um, which is probably what some of you are clamoring for right now. I want to play that clip of Adam Stenovich one more time about Jordan Love's completion percentage. I think this is so spot on, and this is why I think at times, especially early in the season, especially for young players, let's not get bent out of shape using classic statistics to judge guys. I'm not saying that Jordan Love has been amazing and the statistics are lying to you. I'm just saying don't get too bent out of shape about the numbers. Listen to what your eyes tell you. React to what your eyes tell you. Here's Adam Stenovich when asked about Love's completion percentage. Well, there's a few things that go into that, but the biggest thing is, yes, we just got to help him with kind of what we're doing, making sure that we're staying efficient as an offense uh, to allow him to get a better completion percentage. Because, you know, anytime you're in these second and long situations and things like that where we've been in, um, it's not a high percentage of completions. Third and longs, we've had way too many third and longs. Um, and again, you're not going to have a very high completion percentage. So we definitely do need to do a better job first and second down, keeping those manageable situations um, so we can be more efficient as an offense. I think that completion percentage kind of tells the tale of just our offense isn't very efficient right now for sure. No, it's not efficient at all. I want to play you a clip from the Bill Michaels show earlier uh, yesterday. Actually, we had Wayne Larravee on and he did a really good job talking about the offense and its struggles. And it, and it's and it was so much better from Wayne than simply saying, well, the offense sucks right now. I'm out of floor, a bonehead, which isn't something that Wayne Larrabee is going to say anyways. But he spoke specifically to an issue that the Packers have on their offense sometimes. And it's, it's, it's not completion percentage. It's not points. It's just simple possession. You got to possess the football. Here's Wayne Larrabee. This is from the Bill Michaels show. Uh, our th- Three yesterday, if you want to go find the full interview in the podcast. I will say this about the defense, Bill. One thing, my one impression of the first five weeks of the season is that um, the offense needs to possess the football more. Um, You know, they've had 56 drives, 21 three and outs. That's 37.5% of the time. They're going three and out. Um, They've scored a 19 of the 56 offensive possessions. That's 34%. Um, But the defense... 
55 drives, allowing 11 touchdowns, 20% touchdowns, allowing scoring of 43.6% of the drives. They forced 14 three and outs. That's 25%. Um, the key is here, long drives. Um, the Packers offense has only had seven drives this year of 10-plus plays. The defense has given up 11 drives of 10-plus uh, plays. So that's 20% of the time. The, the problem they're having is that when the defense is on the field for an extended period of time and they finally get off the field, the offense, unfortunately, some of those three and outs I talked about a second ago uh, are coming after that, and that's where you get worn down defensively. I, I think that's a big part of it. Complimentary football, as Matt LaFleur has said on numerous occasions this season, sometimes it's not there, and when it isn't, boy, it's really difficult. Wayne Larrabee is great on Bill's show yesterday. I'd recommend. I think it was hour three of the podcast. And if not, like, it's either hour two or hour three. So it's it's easy to find. Bill Michael's show, wherever you get your podcast. This Packers offense, even if they put drives together and they end up kicking a field goal, or maybe they move the ball 40 yards, they convert a couple of times, and they punt the ball away and flip field position. That's so better than going three and out. They don't always need to drive nine plays, 90 yards for a touchdown. But just having some success, it's like in basketball, just seeing the ball go through the hoop, right? Sometimes a free throw for a shooter is way more important than the one point that they get. It's about having a chance to see the ball go through the hoop to kind of center yourself. The Packers have so many of these drives that are just a throwaway. No chance to build any momentum, no chance to build any chemistry or any feel. Three plays and you're off the field, and then you're starting from scratch again when you come back out on the field. And the defense gets more tired, and the game spirals out of control. Possessing the ball and just extending drives longer than they've extended drives through these first five games. Be massive for the Packers coming out of the bye. Let's talk to Tony in Texas, 608-321-1670. What's going on, Tony? Hey, Grant, you know, you're talking Packers, and and uh, you're mentioning the offense and the defense. And I, I think the problem that the Packer fans we have with Joe Barry and the defense is we want it to be like Seattle or something back in their heyday or, or maybe Tampa. Totally. These, these these, we, we, you put all those draft picks, that draft capital, onto that side of the ball, and what do you have for it, right? When's the last first-round pick they had? Jordan Love, and I, don't, I couldn't tell you the last time an offensive player was picked. Um, so, in the first round? Now I'm thinking. In the first I round? No I can't think of an offensive so. lineman. Uh, was it Derek Sherrod? It, it might have been. Honestly, yeah, I think that, that probably was it. I think you're right. So I, I think that's where us Packer fans where the frustration comes with Joe Barry and he's just got the most vanilla name in the world. I mean, Joe Barry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, that's where I think the frustration is, you know, offensively they're not good. And I saw something funny that you put on, on X yesterday with Phil Longo. Nice. You you could have put something on Matt LaFleur too, because it is just atrocious offensive football. It's offensive, offensive football. We're seeing right now by both our football teams in our home state. Don't you think, Tony, that even though they're young, that they're talented and they have ability, they should be able to show us a little bit more than what they've showed us the last few weeks. Okay. I, I'm, I'm now, not, like, maybe I at the beginning of the season, Cone got up my butt for being a little too high on all these young wide receivers, and that's fair. But I think they have more ability and more talent, even if it's young and untapped. They should be showing us a little bit more than this. I mean, they're better than those Jamon Moore picks and MVS and all these other clowns. St. Brown, they were drafted. Remember that? You know, they were, yeah, those, those guys were what? Third, fourth, fifth, sixth round picks? I mean, Dobbs, and, Dobbs is a fourth round pick. We all like it. But Watson's a second. Jaden Reed's a second. Like, 
uh, Luke Musgrave is a second as well, right? So there's more there's more stock put into these guys. More value picks, I yes. get, or higher picks. You're right, but I, you know, being at the game, sitting on the upper deck next to David Gruber, I did notice that the receivers were not getting open. There was not a lot for Jordan Love to pass to. That's something I like about sitting in the upper level at a game. Is you can see who's open, what's the routes, like what's the concepts going on here. All twenty-two, so I, yeah, exactly. So it's kind of cool, you know. I'm, I'm I'm taking it seriously. I'm watching this, and I'm like, man, they're not getting open for Jordan Love. Jordan Love was not good. I agree, but there was not Romeo Dobbs was a no-show. He was horrible that game. So I, I, I'm with you. There's a big upside, um, but you know, right now that offense is struggling. Hey, really quick on, on a couple of comments, I got to make really quick on this stuff. You mentioned. Basketball is more predictable than football? Is that you said yesterday? Well, yeah. I mean, there's more games. So even when there are crazy upsets, it, it doesn't feel as big because so, it's well, an 82-game season. Say, you had the Heat beating the Bucks and the Celtics in the playoffs, Grant? No, I didn't have them beating the Bucks. <laughs> but once they beat the Bucks, like, dude, the Celtics are not. The Heat have beat the Celtics before. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I, I get the argument that you're making, but also don't don't tell me that that was like the most shocking thing in the world. After we watched the playoffs no, for two weeks, we're like, OK, yeah, I, I get this a little bit. Yeah. I'm just giving you a hard time. And lastly, Grant, the MLB playoffs. I know no one's watched this, but, you know, I am in Texas. Not true. Not not true, Tony. The numbers came out today for the ALCS. They're the best mark since I have it saved here somewhere. I think since. Really? Uh, yep. So Astros Rangers game one drew more viewers than any LCS game either league since 2015. Awesome. Yeah, I don't know if it's the Houston factor, like they're kind of a mini dynasty going, and they got the you know, like they're villains or what. But I'm enjoying the series, and here's what's interesting: the Rangers are seven and zero this playoffs. The Brewers went into Arlington, Texas, and swept those same Texas Rangers. Oh, Unbelievable! It was baseball weirdest it's just so unusual you just never know what's going to happen i remember that series that series was so much fun i we were so back i thought we were so back when that series happened i know know. (sighs) rangers phillies uh, that's what i think is going to happen rangers got to win this next one though those those astros they you just can't kill them off so it's going to be a good series and i look forward to seeing what happens with the world series man i'm glad someone's watching cool yeah, I, I'm into baseball more nationally this year than I've been in a long time. Tony, I appreciate you. i got to take one last break, but it was nice to get you in. We, Grant, we missed out on Mike Clemens, out but we got some Grant, Tony. Grant, if you ever want to come down to Texas, 55, 44 to 35. Easy, oh, easy. Nothing on a night like this. I could be there by tomorrow morning. Easy cruising. All right. See you later, bud. <laughs> see, you, see you, Tony. Uh, Tony, I think I did no-sell you last time you were on the show, and for that, I apologize. Let's take a three-minute break. We'll come back, wrap up the show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, appreciate you listening tonight. We'll get Mike Clemens later on this week. He got something come up, so we had to reschedule. No big deal. We just talked about highways for a half hour instead. Whoops. How did how did the show get off the rails like that? I don't know. Oh, yeah, it was 100% my fault. Yeah, Tony in Texas is not wrong. Uh, well, I, I guess he, I don't want to say that he was wrong, but, you know, he brought up viewership. Let's just put it that way. Tony in Texas brought up viewership for Astros Rangers. Best number that it's pulled the, in any LCS game since 2015. I don't know if it's the new rule changes this year. 
Um, I don't know if it's the balanced schedule. I think it's a combination of the new rules, the balanced schedule, and the fact that there are just different teams involved, like the Orioles are involved, the Diamondbacks are in the postseason, the Mariners, Otani was big this year. There were just more good storylines than normal, I think, this year. Baseball nationally was back this year in a way that it hadn't been in a while. Darnell is in Madison. Darnell the Chum, sorry to make you wait, Darnell. I want to get you in before the end of the show. What's going on? Uh, no worries, Grant. What are you thinking? What's on your mind? Well, well, I was going to say, uh, I I was listening to Adam Senovich. He just played a couple mm-hmm. minutes ago there. And uh, coach speak will never disappoint me. Like, I think that is <laughs> one of the funniest things when you can say, it's, it's like being a politician. You can say so little mm-hmm. in three minutes of talking. Like, it's, it's insane. Joe Barry he, does like, sound a lot like a politician. He says a lot of words. The Jordan Love's completion percentage is low because he's not completing that many of his passes. Oh, really? Like, is that why? It, 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 it's insane to me. But I, I digress. Um, I think that the Packers are going to be just fine because, you know what? If anybody was expecting them to be 4-1 and one at this point, um, you don't watch football and you don't you don't know what your your expectations are way too high for a team like this that needs to rely on a defense and a run game. And Matt Lafleur doesn't know how to run, so um, you know they just they have to figure it out. Jordan Love's got to grow up, and he needs his team to get healthy. And I think that they're going to be fine. I would tend to agree with all those things, Darnell. Appreciate the call, and I appreciate you waiting. Sorry to make you wait. Of course. Yeah. Have a good one, Grant. Have a good one. I think it's a combination of everything. I think Jordan Love's needs to be better, 100%. There's a ga- there's a throw or two in just about every game where you're like, damn, wish you could have that one back. You could say the same for Justin Herbert last night. You could say the same for, uh, again, I think a lot of these quarterbacks are closer to each other than we think. You know, we always always say, oh, Dak sucks. Or why can't Justin Herbert win? It's like, well, okay, we'll zoom out. There's a lot of quarterbacks with a lot of issues. It's Mahomes and basically everybody else. Right. And, and Jordan Love has not yet earned the right to be anywhere near that conversation. But there's a lot going on. His offensive line is banged up. I, I think the winning and the success for this Packers offense this year was contingent on veteran contributions and veteran stabilization from David Bakhtiari and from Aaron Jones. I think development is going to happen. I think progress is going to happen. They're going to learn. They're going to grow. They're going to mature. I don't think veterans need to be present for that. I think leaders will naturally appear. I think someone will step up or a couple of guys will step up and be vocal leaders for this team and this offense, especially because the offense is the younger side of the ball. They need the next wave of leaders. I think those leaders will appear. I think by the end of the year, Musgrave and Reed will have taken strides. Christian Watson will have taken strides. Romeo Dobbs will have made progress. But winning might be pretty tough if Aaron Jones and David Bakhtiari aren't going to play. Right, like those are the guys that were going to kind of stabilize things a little bit. And without those veterans, both on the offensive line and the skill position groups, you're going to run into a lot more inconsistency, you know, a lot higher ups, a lot lower downs, a lot more, uh, a lot more volatility on this offense without David Bakhtiari and without Aaron Jones. Now, Matt LaFleur's job and Jordan Love's job as well is to continue to grow, continue to figure things out, continue to make progress Winning or losing. That's why coming out of this bye, 
Like, I think there's a world in which they could lose the Broncos and I'd feel okay. They could lose the Vikings or the Rams and I'd feel okay. It depends how it looks. If the offense can sustain drives and put together longer drives, like Wayne Larrabee told us yesterday, earlier on in the network on the Bill Michaels show, if they can score points and they can get the younger players involved and get them reps and continue to help them grow, winning to me is secondary, which is what we knew coming into this year. And like we thought, a lot of Packers fans have forgotten about that. The Packers are two and three through five games and people are jumping off the Matt LaFleur bandwagon completely, which is nuts. We knew this was going to happen. So let's zoom out. Stop worrying so much about stats. Stop worrying so much about wins and losses. What does it look like on the screen? Now, Monday night against the Raiders, it didn't look good. Didn't look good against the Lions. If it looks good coming out of the bye, the wins and the losses, to me, they're secondary, especially if Aaron Jones and Bakhtiari aren't going to play. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. Have a great rest of your night.